0: Welcome to the SpeechLink. I'm your host, Sharp Bochart, and I invite you to listen and learn practical strategies from experienced experts to take your therapy to the next level. Getting a child to say a good er sound is one thing, but getting them to use it consistently is another. Now, you know the R program for getting the er, but what about generalization? Well, what about the new R speech practice audios? Kids love to practice them, and you quickly access them via QR codes. Go to SpeechDynamics.com to take advantage of the 40% off sale price. Do it now. Well, hello, everybody. It's so good to know that so many of you are there and here for this really excellent presenter. This is Rachel's second time here on the Speech Link, and I'm excited to hear what she has to say. The first time was a success. <laughs> so she's got lots of good, more information. Yeah. So let's talk disclosures first. Regarding financial disclosures, Rachel receives an honorarium for this podcast. And she is the owner of Tucket Rocket and receives compensation for her speech and language products that she created for young children offered on her website. And personally, I, too, receive an honorarium for the speech link, and I'm a presenter for SpeechTherapyPD.com and receive royalty payments. I own Speech Dynamics, Inc., and neither Rachel nor I have any non-financial disclosures to report. So, okay. So, personally, I want to welcome you all to our SpeechLink podcast, sponsored, of course, by SpeechTherapyPD.com. I'm Shar Beauchart, your speech-language pathologist host, and I'm so glad that you're here. Rachel is speaking on an effective and systematic therapy format for young children and caregivers. So, here's a little bit about Rachel. Rachel Arntzen. Ms. CCC-SLP has been a speech-language pathologist in the greater Minneapolis, Minnesota area since 1980. She's worked in the hospital setting, a pediatric clinic, and in early intervention. And then from 1991 to 2015, she provided family-centered speech and language intervention to infants and toddlers in their homes, which is, I mean, write up what we're talking about so you have a lot of great experience in their homes in the aseo school district in maple grove minnesota so since retiring from Oseo schools rachel has presented numerous seminars focused on building her company talk it rocket and developing practical products and i'm going to say also in addition to traveling and doing mosaic art <laughs> And she is the creator of all Talk it Rocket products, including 10 critically acclaimed song and movie sets, which I think is pretty fun. And as well as the We Can Talk Parent Training Book, okay, the Blast Off Board Sound Sequencing Set, the Push-Pull Puzzle, and Animation Station Videos for Speech and Language Learning. Those are some kind of interesting ones there. But her passion for music and fun is reflected in her products and in her presentations. So warm welcome back to the speech link, Rachel. How are you doing?
1: It's good to be here. I'm doing great. Good to see you again. Good.
0: Good. Well, terrific. I'm excited that you're here. And and you know, I always marvel at how much experience you have and then putting it all into different products and different formats so that other people can continue to learn and to grow and, and to help their kids. And Thank so you're you. paying it forward. So Thank thanks for doing all that. You're, you're welcome. Thank you. I've, yeah. I've been around the block a few You've times. You've been around the block. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. Yeah, <laughs> probably a little different blocks, but we've both been around the block. <laughs> yeah. yes. I know, yes. I know. Well, let's get you started here. Okay. You do have a lot of information to share. And, you know, just thinking back, you know, you've developed a lot of, I'm going to say methodology and methodologies for what you do. You've written Uh your books and so on for working with parents and caregivers and so on. But how did you develop this format for working with the young children and with their families? How did you develop the format? Because, you know, we have a lot of therapists that do therapy. But how did you begin to think, well, you know what? This may be something that I can put on paper yeah. that might be helpful for others. How did you start all that?
1: Well, I have a I have a very simple one-word answer, desperation. Oh. <laughs> and, it, and it was really because I remember one kid in particular, his name was Andy, and he had autism. And I'd never worked with kids with autism before, and I didn't have a clue what to do with him. I, I was so lost. I mean, you know, I had training, but it's different when you go into a house and there's a parent with you or two parents with you, so they expect you to know what you're doing. So I I sat in the driveway For months, and I'd go, oh, God, what am I going to do with Andy today? And so I'd go in and, you know, work with parents, worked with Andy, also got his big sister involved. I'd leave, and I'd think, you know, that wasn't so bad. That actually was okay. Then the next week I'd come, I'd be sitting in the driveway, think, oh, God, what am I going to do with Andy today? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then I same thing went on. So what happened after months of that, I kind of got sick of myself dreading it. So I went through all of my tracking sheets, and I believe you all got this as a handout. I took meticulous notes. I take data, whether I'm parent coaching, working directly with a kid, it doesn't matter. I take data. So what I did was I went through literally hundreds of these sheets. I always kept a sheet for myself, gave a sheet to parents, and I went through them to Hmm. see if I could find a pattern of Hmm. what I did with kids and what I taught parents and what we discussed and all of that. So from that came this format. And it didn't seem to matter if I was working with a kid with autism or a kid with cleft palate or, you know, just speech and language delay that was fairly Mm -hmm. cut and dried or Mm -hmm. whatever. It seemed to all kind of the same pattern. So Mm -hmm. that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, you held up a page. Now, everybody that's live here at Speech Therapy PD has this handout. Which one are you referring to? The tell me about your child?
1: No, right now I'm referring to the tracking sheet. The tracking sheet. Rock it, rock it. Okay, that's the
0: last one. Okay, that's the
1: tracking sheet. And
0: really what I'm looking at is just a few squares. And you've got task and then, so vertical squares, task, and then task. Well, I guess Mm -hmm. where you have some horizontal little squares there to take the data. Yeah. Home report. Yeah, And then verbal sample ratios and intelligibility. And I guess yep. that you write that information just in that column.
1: Mm-hmm. So you've got
0: tasks. So you so you've got two places there to write your task. Yeah. And then home report. You can tell us what all this is. Yeah. And then verbal sample, ratios, and intelligibility. That's so that tell me what. Way. So the task is obviously what you were doing with the child or what you were expecting the child to do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. I always start, though, with home report just to see how is your week going? You know, what did you try? What worked? What didn't work? And so some of my tasks would depend on what the parent said. And also the task that I choose to keep track of is very much dependent on the seven skills that I look at with every single kid. Okay, so, good. In, see, I, I can...
0: love that. I absolutely love that, that you talk with the parent to see how it went in the past six or seven days Yeah. so that what you do with the child is dependent on what the child really needs. Yeah. And, you know, when I went to school 100 years ago, we had to have, we had to write down our plan, our therapy plan. And at that time, I didn't know any better. I just did. And so when I got out, I'm writing therapy plans. And then I figured out, I don't have time to write a plan. And then I figured out, really, what I need to be doing is based on the child Uh and what the child is doing, not doing the capability of the child so that you can't always plan.
1: No. Yeah. Especially birth to three-year-olds. No, you can't plan that, Mm-mm. but mm-hmm. but you should have it in your head what the skills are that a child needs to learn and what the parent maybe needs to learn or would like to work on to help their child. So you've got to right. always have that thought in your head as to what needs to happen, but how right. you get to that is very much it depends on the kid and the parent and all of that. So yes. You yes. know what I've evolved a lot, Char in parent coaching. You know, when I first started birth to three, that was a long time ago. And I did more direct work with kids than I did when I was in my final years of being a speech pathologist. I was. I'm grateful for all of that direct work I did with kids, but as I got better at parent coaching, I did much less of that and more coaching. So, Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. but you
1: still need to work. You know, I think sometimes with the whole early or routines based interventions, we don't want to touch the kid. We don't want to work with the child ourselves, and that's. Direct teaching is still a part of routines-based intervention and family-focused intervention. So once in a while, I still work with kids directly because I can more efficiently figure out what their skills are, what they need to work on. And mm-hmm. then again, teach it more efficiently with parents too, because I didn't, you know, the most I ever saw a kid was once a week, and sometimes just once a month. So you have to work mm-hmm. efficiently with kids, with families. So yes, and,
0: yes, yeah. and that means that you have to be very observant, and you have to know what you're, what, yep. what you're looking for. Yes, and yes. what they're doing correctly or not correctly, yep. and is it. Within that developmental time, and is it you know, is that what makes sense to do next? Yes, (laughs) so you do. There is, there comes a great deal of knowledge that you have to just glean as you're working with kids. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's true. Yeah, you do get a little smarter, you know, (laughs) after working with kids. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. Okay, great, great. And I'm sure that you'll talk a little bit more about the handouts and we can explain. Mm-hmm. Kind of what they look like and so on. But so that's interesting that you worked with Andy and you figured out I'm gonna say a system. Yes. And you're going to tell us what those things are in the seven, I'm thinking. Yes. And that it can be applicable to almost any kind of issue, yeah, of communication problem, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. So I'm intrigued. To hear, you know, how all of that comes together. But if you would just get us started, like on our next section here, when you actually start working Mm -hmm. with a child and the child's parents for the first time. Yes. (laughs) So where do you start?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm assuming people are doing standardized tests and evaluations to, you know, have a kid qualify for services or whatnot. So that's just a given. So, and those evaluations are helpful, but the information I get after that is more important to me. And Mm -hmm. that is a routines-based interview. So we're not going to go into depth about that, but it's important if those of you who work with birth to three-year-olds to really get well-versed on that routines-based interview and what you do. How I was trained, they always started with the very beginning of the day. Tell us what happens in your day. What does your child do? How does your child respond? Um, You know, how does it go? Is it a high priority? Uh, Would you like to work on it? Would you not? So you go through the whole day. I tend to start differently. I don't start with the very first thing in the morning. I start my question with, so when you think of little Jacob, what is your biggest concern for how your day is going as it relates to him? How he communicates, how he plays, anything. It can be anything. Sometimes parents will even say, we just need food in the house. You know, it has nothing to do with communication, but So sometimes that happens too. But usually they'll say, you know, something like, gosh, getting him to go to bed at night, I can't communicate with him. He doesn't follow directions. So I'll start with bedtime. So if we start at the very beginning of the day, by the time we get through the whole routines-based intervention, we have very little time to talk about their biggest issue, which was bedtime. Yeah. So. I always start with that. I ask them what have they tried and what happened when you tried that certain thing. And parents usually do. They come up with, you know, well, I try to get them to copy me or say, you know, imitate me or say the word. And he just stares at me or whatever. So I write all this down. Once we get through all of the routines or as many as we can. I ask which ones are their biggest priorities of what they'd like to focus on. Mm
0: -hmm. So it
1: might be an actual routine. Then I certainly explain what parent coaching is about and get them familiar with parent coaching. But I also want to get a comfort level from parents Like I've worked with lots and lots of parents who are immigrants, who English is not their primary language. They're also the thought of being observed by a teacher or a speech pathologist is really stressful. And so I tend to jump into parent coaching differently, depending on who the parent is and how comfortable they are with that style of service. So again, I think we've missed the boat on that a little bit. We jump into having parents be observed to the point that parents are uncomfortable and that I never want that to happen. Yeah, it's that, essential. that makes
0: total sense. And that's really how I was taught,
1: yeah. you know, just to sit yeah.
0: and watch how yeah. the parent interacts with the child. And I always thought, wow, I'm so glad I'm not that parent.
1: Yeah. Because the yeah.
0: parents, you know, they don't know that we're pretty much looking at the child, but we're you know. also looking at them. Of
1: course. But they're going to be yeah.
0: thinking that, oh, they're going to think I'm a bad parent, or I don't yeah. know how yeah. to interact or talk yeah. with my child, or, yeah. oh, I wonder what I'm doing wrong. And so I'm not sure that we always got an accurate read of what was going on between them,
1: even. You know, usually, like, if I get the sense that a parent is uncomfortable with that, I'll choose some sort of activity that they have in their house. And I say, you know what, are you okay if we do this all together? So I kind of lead the ship a little bit. But then I have a parent take a turn. And then <clears throat> I'm a firm believer in catching a parent in the act of doing great. So yes. I'll say, did you see how when you, you know, put the blocks in the box that and the way you did it, did you notice what Jacob did when you did that? And if they didn't, then I'll say, well, he did this and this and this. And it was because you did it slowly you spoke with fun inflection, you smiled through it, you touched his knee just to get him to maybe pay attention and connect with you. So I always catch the parent in the act of being good. And that's I love it. important because then they're hooked in a little bit and they know that I'm going to compliment them. It's not going to be criticizing. So yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I love that. I love yeah. that. And that's Yeah. See, and that really generates a team effort.
1: Yes, exactly. Where they
0: don't feel like they're being, you know, that they're constantly being kind of negatively assessed and their parenting skills. Yeah. And because they feel bad enough that somebody's there that has to kind of help their kid communicate. You yep. know what I'm saying? I mean, there exactly. is that. Yes. And we don't think about it because that's yep. just a natural thing. It's kind of our what we do. Yep. But, you know, there can be guilt that goes yep. along with it as well. Oh, for so, for sure.
1: Yeah. The yeah. other piece I was going to say about this with, you know, when you do a routines-based intervention, very often we tend to talk about the routines that don't go very well. You know, that he won't follow a direction. He screams during diaper changing time. It's horrible getting him into a scar seat. I mean, A, B, C, D, E, F. One thing that I find extremely helpful and essential is to ask a parent what does your child love to do? And what does your child love to do with you? When do you see your child laughing? is there anything that he, that just gives him giggles you know is and then talk about that because when you're looking at tough routines and you want parents to learn some techniques often you should not start with those tough routines to teach specific techniques sometimes you need to start with just a really fun activity. So again, you can catch the parent in the act of being good. Mm -hmm. Then you can focus on just some, okay, this is what you could try just to get through that tough routine and go from there. But you have to balance the good routines with the not so good routines so parents feel some success. So yeah. Yeah the other
0: piece wow. that. Want graduate-level semester credits for your PD.com courses? Well, they're available now in collaboration with the University of the Pacific. And as you know, most of our 750-plus video and audio courses are evidence-based, and all are super practical. Subscribe now. So much of it, you know, you're talking about is the behavior. And I mean, right. the behavior and the communication just goes hand in hand. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, it's hard to separate those. But
1: uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: I love that. I love that approach. And it really is kind of different. We tend to focus on the negative and what they can't do uh-huh. rather than uh-huh. emphasizing what they can. I really like that. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I don't know these seven things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I wrote them down somewhere, but I don't have them in my brain right now. Have we moved into the, to
1: one of the seven? <laughs> I think we should. <laughs> it's kind okay. Of it's kind of like you know selling something, and then you never get to the point to say you can. I will tell you these seven if you you know sign up for this. Yeah. no, <laughs> I will tell you all. No, of them.
0: we're gonna get the whole angel out of here. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, seven. that's right. Okay, all right. So, do you you know as far as the seven are they sequential? I'm sure that they're all related in some way. I would mm-hmm. think. And I guess that you can just apply them to individuals as to Mm -hmm. according to what they need. But tell us about the seven. How do you want to do that? Do you want to talk about the seven or give us what they are or just go progressively through whatever is best?
1: You know, I'll at least tell you the first three, because that, for me, are kind of the essential pieces first. You asked if it was sequential. Yes, kind of. But not really, because I look at all seven skills at any given time with okay, a child. Okay, that makes sense. But when I'm first working with a kid, I tell myself, I want this child to win, W-I-N. And from that, that, those three things, it's an acronym called WIN. Okay. I want your child to be mm-hmm. watchful. I want them to be intentional. And I want them to be noisy. So with being watchful, and that's what the tell me about your child handout goes through those seven skills. Okay. I go through. There they are. I got them. Yep. Do I go through this, you know, every single question? No, because it needs to be more natural than this. But this at least gives you an idea. So with. Okay. With being watchful, I always ask parents, you know, do they play with toys? Are they watchful of toys? Do they play with people or do they watch people? Like when you're fixing him breakfast in the morning, does he pay attention to what you're doing? If you point to something in the sky, let's say, will he follow your point? Is he watchful of your pointing? Before kids will ever learn how to point themselves, they have to be able to follow your point. And especially kids with autism, it's just incredible how they can't really shift their eye gaze Mm -hmm. from objects to people and people back to objects. They're not good at that. And Mm -hmm. they're not good at following a point. I'll give you an example This was just a toy I had, and I was pulling up the ribbon, like up, 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 up. And this one little guy fixated this ribbon that was already pulled up, and he kept on pulling. And I'm like, here, here, right here, right here. And he could not shift his eye gaze from this to this. Now this mm. toy isn't the end all be all by any means, but it did teach me about an inability to shift eye gaze, and that's wow. all a part of being watchful. Yes, so, yeah. And then the yeah. the good. intentional. Did you have a question about that, Char? Or no? I'm oh, just. Okay. I'm just. Wow.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that's a really good thing to notice. And it's like, how would you have noticed that? And if you didn't know to look for it?
1: Right, right. Yeah, that's a good thing. You know, with parents, when you ask them what their goal is, and they'll say, I just want my kid to say words, I want them to communicate with words. But it might be a kid that has no ability to stay with a task or can't focus on a toy. We're so far away from saying words, but I never want to burst that parent's bubble. I'll just say that's a great goal. So this is what we need to achieve that goal of having him say words. The first is helping him to be watchful of activities, of toys, of people of shifting from objects to people, just having him be watchful. That's the first step in getting kids to communicate with words. So I find it helpful. I never burst a parent's bubble, even if I think this kid will never talk. Like Andy, the kid I told you about, he was not communicating when he left me at age three, and it broke my heart. I thought this, yeah. I don't think he will ever verbally communicate. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's that. Yeah. Once, yeah. once so, you kind of work mm-hmm. on being watchful, you go to intentional. Did you have a question, Char? Yeah, the
0: watchful piece, I'm trying to sort out. I mean, we kind of call it attending.
1: Yeah, Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: But it's deeper than that. It's mm-hmm. looking for clues. And cues, yes. And like he wasn't following your cue of oh, right. look, honey, the other right. one over here is red and you could pull it through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He wasn't following
1: that, right? You so know, and, even and I like the word watchful. Yeah, I like it better than joint attention or you know, yes. those those terms, they're just not very parent friendly. Whereas I think yeah watching. Does a kid watch things? I just think it's more cozy for parents. It's the only Yeah, reason. it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It covers kids who are inattentive because they're just so active, and it covers kids who maybe are just hyper-focused on one object and can't get past it. You know, it covers lots of things. So, and yeah. then, so if you have a kid that's not very watchful, You can talk to the parent about, well, when Johnny's sitting in his high chair, this is kind of what I would work on to help him become more watchful of you. So, and one is give me your hand. So if kids want something, as opposed to just having them grab it themselves, I'll say, give me your hand, or I'll put the child's hand in my hand. Then I'll put the fish crackers or whatever in their hand, and then I'll try to get their attention. Visual eye gaze, sometimes that's hard for kids, so I don't push it, but I try. Certainly birth to three is the best time to start working on eye contact Mm -hmm. um, before they learn other, you know, habits and and whatnot. So. The give me your hand is something I teach parents a lot. And then I also teach parents, like, let's say you've got their juice cup. You know, you say, here's your juice. I'm going to put it right there. And then put it on the spot on this high chair that you said you were going to put it on. I'll do that with, like, putting lotion on their legs on their arms I'll point it out before mm-hmm. I actually put the lotion on because then you the kids following this point the kid is following the actual point of putting the lotion on now the kid is following the point of rubbing it in so you get three practices of following a point so yes
0: yes good All Good. Right. I like that yes I like that a lot that's very helpful <laughs> And then intentional, the I.
1: Yes. This, when I look at kids, you know, communicative intent, I primarily look with kids who are just at the preliminary part of communicating. I look at gesture systems. Mm -hmm. And the best description of gestures that I have seen, and you can Google it, 16 gestures by 16 months. And Mm -hmm. it was created, I think, by Amy Weatherby from Florida State University. Mm -hmm. It's Autism Navigator. It's the website that you can go to. But that sheet of 16 gestures by 16 months is super helpful. And it Mm -hmm. kind of gives you an idea that, you know, kids need to be able to give things to people, to point to things, to raise their hands to be picked up to. Grab a person's hand and take them somewhere to, you know, simple clapping and things like that as well. So, anyway, I evaluate how kids' gesture system is. And that's what I call intentional. How do they communicate non verbally to a parent? And uh, gesture systems that are strong are high predictors of kids who will be verbal. And communicate effectively verbally. So it's more important than we give credit for. And we need to talk to parents about how important that gesture system is, especially with, you know, parents who really want their kids to talk and say words and imitate words. It's much more important at first to look at gestures. Yes. That's yes. the other piece. Yeah.
0: And parents seem to not think that's communicating. No, no. You know, they're not aware that that is right. a form of communication. That's so right. So that's a good thing to
1: emphasize. Yes. Yeah. Yep. great. The, and uh, then the final letter of mm-hmm. when is being noisy. And that okay. is, you know, kids who are pre words, I take when you looked at that tracking sheet and you were asking about the column on the right side, I take verbal samples of what kids say. And it might be a vowel that means nothing. It might be a squeal. It might be laughter. It might be whatever. But I take data on what comes out of their mouth. Yes. And then I also... I also take ratios. So if a kid's nonverbal, you know, you can't take a language sample because they don't have language. But I had one kid that was just, "Mm, mm, 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 mm." he just said the "Mm" sound. He had a great gesture system and he used voice with pointing, but it was always M. So I kept a ratio of M. Versus something different, so differentiated sounds. So he'd go mmm 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 mmm. Mm. That's five mms. Then he'd say ah, oh, and that was a different sound. So I would get a ratio, and that's a good way to take data to see even before kids say words to see if their verbalizations are changing in any sort of way. So that's when, W-I-N, watchful, intentional, noisy. Uh Good. Oh, the other piece about noisy. That's when I talk about laughter. Because you can't make kids talk, but you can make them cry. (laughs) And you can make them, probably make them laugh. So look at what makes kids laugh. And I talked to a parent about that. And I said, is there any time? where your little guy is vocal, if he says anything, if anything comes out of his mouth. So he'd say, well, in the shower, he just squeals and screams. He loves the shower. He just thinks it's great. and We do it together. We shower together. And I said, well, squealing is nothing more than probably just a really loud vowel sound. So if I were you, i go, ah, 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 and, ooh, 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 and, you know, do all sorts of goofy vowel sounds. And and so the next week I came out, the dad said, oh, we had so much fun. And, and that his son learned, a like this. And so the little guy just stuck Aww. out his tummy and goes, hey, so cute. Yeah. So cute. Anyway. Oh,
0: that's wonderful. Um, oh, yeah, that was red letter day.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Find places where kids are more (laughs) noisy and try to shape that into sounds that you can then shape into words eventually. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very good.
0: Very good. I love it. I love it. Okay. So we did the win. Yep. And then do you have acronyms or are we just gonna move into okay? Oh for
1: for the next part, it's four pieces. Right, okay. And it's actually talk it, rock it. I never intended on doing this because when my company was called Kids Express Train, I had the same seven skills. So it just happens to be talk it, rock it. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: Yeah, and it's a little rhythmic ditty. So it's turn, take, imitate, respond, initiate. So get kids to take turns to imitate vocally but also gesturally to respond to directions to questions to you know even gesture responding and then the big part is helping kids initiate you know there are kids who will imitate words who imitate phrases even but they just don't initiate language and in that Tends to be, I think, kind of the last part that comes into play with Yeah. So. Yeah,
0: good. Okay, yeah. so we are at
1: Take Turns. Yes. With parents, with coaching parents, when any time we're doing, like, let's say we're doing a triad where I'm doing something. And then I say, okay, mom, you do exactly what I say. Or do, and then Johnny will take a turn. Very often, if a child is nonverbal, let's say you're putting blocks in a box or whatever, then you go, I'll go in, and I'll do it with exaggeration and gestures. And so, mom will take that block and she'll go in. And then little Jacob will take that block and just go like this and not say anything. So I said, you know, it's very important during Jacob's turn that you don't fill in the verbal part because I want his turn to be totally his own. And if he can't say anything, that's totally fine. Even if he doesn't put the block in the box, that's totally fine. It's his turn and that's to be respected. It's like getting interrupted when people are having a conversation. You don't want people to talk over you. So, Mm -hmm. and it gives the kid the expectation that the verbal part of their turn is essential. So, yeah, you know, I think we talk a lot about taking turns, whether it be rolling a ball back and forth or, you know, doing something silly, like taking a drink of water and going and then take turns. Um, a kid who's taking turns does not have to be imitating. They can do their own thing on their turn. Yeah. It's completely fine. But taking turns is an important step in getting kids to communicate
0: because yes. they
1: also have to be watchful. They, if they're not watchful, they're not going to take a turn. So,
0: yeah. So, do you, if you see that the child is not following through on the turn taking, you go back to watchful and you kind of try to shape that?
1: Yep. Yep. One thing that in my training with parent coaching, very often I've been told that we should just pick one daily routine, let's say diaper changing. And in that routine, we talk to parents about all the different things that they can do during diaper changing time. So You know, it might be you sing a song and see if they watch you. It might be that you give the child the clean diaper for them to hold. It might be that you work on body parts. It might be that you're just saying the words to everything you're doing. Anyway, to me, sometimes if you just talk about one Routine, and you go through 10 things that a parent could do during that routine. For Mm -hmm. some parents, that's really confusing. It's almost too much assignment to do that. I find sometimes, like, let's say, with being watchful, you know, that you can say, okay, I want Johnny to be, it's important that he's watchful during every part of your day. So let's think of how you could help him watch you while you're giving him his cereal in the morning. How could he watch you when you're getting him dressed? If you're taking the socks out of the drawer, how can he be watchful when you are putting him in his car seat? How can he be watchful in the grocery store when you're, you know, pointing to what you're going to get that day? So sometimes I think, yeah, working on one daily routine is helpful, but almost I almost prefer to work on one technique and then brainstorm with parents how they could instill that in yeah ev- multiple daily routines. So you kind of have to experiment a little bit with that and see what works more comfortably for you.
0: Are you taking advantage of our new handy feature, the certificate tracker? Keep a record of all your CEUs, not just for any of the 750 audio and video courses here at speechtherapypd.com, but from anywhere. Upload your certificates and voila, you have an organized all-in-one-place record of all your CEUs. Cool. That's, yeah. And I like that energy. brainstorm piece because it brings yeah. them into the process and yeah. they have to start thinking about what they might yep. do. Yep. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And that, yeah.
1: And Good. Touch, touching base the, the next week when you're out, mm-hmm. you'd say, okay, so we've talked about being watchful, you know, during lots of different times. How did that work for you? What happened during diaper changing times? And give them some ideas also then about how to make tough routines work better for sure. Also, you know, like one of the most important things with kids, especially kids who have meltdowns is very often kids don't know what their job is. So like giving the kid the clean diaper to hold, that's his job. And at first he might get frustrated with that because it's new, but it's important to give kids a job. So, you know, that's another piece to, you know, as far as techniques for helping kids get through those troubled routines as well. So, yeah,
0: yeah, well, and I know we, you know, we need to move on to the the imitate, but I'm also thinking as far as the watchfulness that that's probably kind of, quotes training the parent to become more watchful.
1: Very much so. It works both ways, doesn't it? It will be, yep. If you talk to parents about, yes, their kid being watchful, you can also point out to the parent, did you see this is how you responded because you were so in tune with what your child was doing? you are watchful. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's huge.
0: That's a huge point. Yes. Yes. Thank you for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So as we move in, we move through taking turns and then we're heading up to imitation. Mm
1: Yes. Yes. Which
0: is where sometimes we all kind of start, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I think we start that maybe a little too early because, you know, if a kid's not going to imitate, they're not going to imitate. So yeah, yeah, that's right. (laughs) I do with kind of a structured activity, like fish crackers, let's say, you know, I do the give me your hand for imitation as well. So I'll put, you know, I'll say fish and I'll put it in his hand. So I never withhold something If you want to fish, you know, you have to tell me fish. It just doesn't work. It's not going to work. So I never argue with a kid about, I'm not going to give you this until you say fish or say, uh, or whatever. So I give them, I'll say fish and I'll give it to the child in their hand, but I'm still holding their hand. So then that gives me an opportunity to put it up to my face. So the kids holding the object, I'll say, fish. And then I say, your turn. And then I just wait. And if all the child does is just stare at me, I'll say, wait to try. Wait to try. Because he took the object. He tolerated this. And there's some kids that Don't do very well with this, but I make it quick and I get it over with. But I think that give me your hand skill is really important for getting imitation going in a structured way. If you want to do structure, yeah, that's great. I've also got that response sheet that's in the handouts, and that's kind of a hierarchy of how I go through imitation. And those are kids, you know, like those kids that are attempting maybe to imitate, but their sound repertory is limited. You know, those kids that you'd maybe say are apraxic, you know, the, just the sound sequencing. Sometimes kids need that drill and practice for sound sequencing. So um, mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that response sheet is helpful. Yes. So, you know, as far as imitation, I usually talk to parents about you always using gestures with enticing verbalization Mm -hmm. and always look at the level your child is vocalizing. So if a child is only at like a cry level, you know, then I would probably or laughter, I would probably start with just vowels or. You know, it's that whole sound sequencing from vowels to vowel plus vowel to consonant vowel to CV CV and so on and so forth. So that's another piece of imitation. Yes, yes. We're probably running out of time, so I'll just.
0: We're we're doing pretty good here. Okay. Okay, Yeah, yeah, we're doing good. So okay. Is you know, that what's so respond?
1: Yep. And these, you know, respond. I'm really not going to address it a lot because I think we've been taught a lot about, you know, helping kids follow verbal directions, helping kids, you know, pay attention to words when you're reading to them, having kids understand questions, and you know, I just look at with parents in particular, I. Encourage parents to have things be very consistent. And again, always give kids a job of what they should do. So maybe at getting dressed, it's always that their child gets to pick out his socks. So then you say, let's find your socks, find your socks. So, you know, that whole repetition of a routine using the same language every single time will help kids learn to respond, because they're finally knowing what their job is, then you can get more complicated as the child becomes less frustrated. You know, if a kid is not regulated, they're not going to be able to learn. So they have to be well-regulated to learn. So having kids learn their job will help calm them down. So, okay.
0: That's good. That's good. And learning their job is what to do at that particular moment in time. Right. And so you're looking for that repetition
1: yes. piece. Yes. And yes.
0: probably kind of initiated by the parent's behavior and what by the situation, the context. Right. And the parent's yeah. verbalizations and the parent's behavior and the expectations of the kid. Yes. Okay.
1: Well, okay. and, you know, initially kids are going to, you know, again, get frustrated if they don't know what their job is. Then they finally know the job strictly by routine. Then they'll probably understand the words that you associate with that job. Yeah. Then you can start getting them to the point where it's initiating on their point part where you say, so what do we do next? Or or just wait, you know, just be be clueless as a parent and see what the child does to initiate. And that's the last piece of. I see. um, But all initiating will happen if we scaffold from watchful, intentional, noisy, turn, take, imitate, respond, and then you just wait and see what happens yeah. for them. With initiating, I also teach kids to be the messenger. So I'll let's say if he's got a favorite toy, let's say it's a stuffed puppy, I'll say, Oh, show daddy your puppy, or show mommy your puppy, so that the child knows to show something. Then you'd say, Oh, give daddy the puppy so that he's initiating by giving an object. Then tell daddy that's a puppy. Then ask daddy if he wants a puppy. So it's show, show, give, tell, ask. And I call it be the messenger because you want kids to start kind of being a show off Kind of, you know, being proud of what they do, initiating those things, giving up things for others. That's all a part of initiating communication, yeah. whether it's gesture, gesture or verbal, yeah. either way. So
0: yeah. Wonderful. I love that. So do you see these, I'm gonna call them behaviors, okay? Mm-hmm. Or do yeah. you see these components of communication? Do you see it sort of, you know, like everything kind of moving along? Or do you see, whoop, we came up when we imitated this one, but we're still working on the watchful thing here. Yes. And, oh, you know, we imitated this, but we can't get that one. Do you see little like Swiss cheese? It just sort of, you know, or it's not like it all just sort of
1: moves. No, usually it's Swiss cheese. And that's why okay. on the tracking sheet And I really encourage people, if you're doing parent coaching, still take data, figure it out. I do a zero, one, two, and three scoring system. I don't know if we have time to discuss that, but that's what I do for taking data, like plus, minus, like imitation, let's say, plus, minus, plus. It just didn't teach me anything. So I score everything based on zero being no response, one being a response, but not accurate at all. Then that two is somewhat in the ballpark, and the three is developmentally appropriate. So I'll do that for direction following, for answering questions, for imitation of all different levels of imitation, even for gestures you know i'll do some scoring system so for gestures you know i might put gestures here i might put imitation over here i might put watchful here so it kind of depends um what's going on in that particular activity sometimes i won't take data at all well i'll take it but i might just put the routine like diaper changing time and then i'll keep track of how many times that Jacob looked at his mom when they were doing that and then take data on why did he look at her at that particular time? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I can um point that out to the mom. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. There was meaning there, not haphazard. Okay. Yeah. Can we glean all of this information in books, your videos? How can we learn more about this and really access your forms?
1: Yeah, well, the forms, most of them, I think you've gotten there. You yeah, can there's going to be people
0: that are listening on the apps and so on that won't have access to them. Oh, okay. Yeah, Any yeah. Time,
1: people can always contact me, rachel at talkitrockit.com. Okay. Talk it, it, you okay. can email me, I'll send you any of those worksheets or handouts for sure. You can also go to my website. You can sign up for my newsletter. I've been really bad at sending newsletters lately. But when you sign up for that, you will get my We Can Talk techniques, which are kind of a step beyond these seven developmental skills. And and working on writing up the developmental seven developmental skills. I think I'm on my last one. So if you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get those for free. And okay. so that's another piece. Okay. Are they also, on
0: are they also on your website so we can look at the ones previous that you did? Yes.
1: Yes, go into okay. my blog site and you'll see all sorts of blog articles. Also Perfect. go into a free resources page. I've got free videos of my We Can Talk. This is my We Can Talk book that has these nine parent coaching techniques. It's different than what I just went through tonight, but is kind of an extension of that. So you can view those free videos. There are nine videos that talk about that. You can also go to my shopping page, that's the Blast Off board page. And in there are free response sheets for my apraxia kit with all of this. Yeah, I love, love, love my Blast Off board, but okay. you can look that up on your own. <laughs> great. It's great for teaching, pointing, following, pointing, following pointing to objects on command, and sound sequencing for kids with apraxia and need to imitate. So
0: anyway,
1: yes, yes. yes. did I answer Perfect. your question? Yes, okay. yes, You're a Good.
0: wealth of information and resources. Good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, I just, I have to ask you this question, because I know that you have a lot of experiences in your mind and so on. But can you just take a minute or two? And tell us something that bubbles to the surface of your mind of something that was kind of funny or enjoyable or a real moving experience during your therapy
1: time. Okay. Hmm. Oh, I have lots of... I'm sure you do. Lots of times. But, you know, I think I'd rather talk about something that wasn't during therapy time. Ah, okay. It, It was, I was at an Irish pub And a kid came up to me, an adult. He was 21. He came up to me and he said, are you Rachel? And I said, yes. And he said, my dad told me that you were my teacher when I was two years old. And I just want to thank you for teaching me how to talk. And I knew immediately who it was. It was Andy the kid that I sat in the driveway, that was Andy, thinking, what am I going to do with Andy? And I did not teach Andy how to talk, but I taught him to follow a point, to point himself, to use gestures, to do picture communication, to, you know, fulfill his needs, to help Mom and dad do fun things with him. He was really into fish and ducks, like obsessed with fish and ducks because his dad was a hunter and a fisherman. So we did lots of activities around fish and ducks. I even wrote a song about fish and ducks because of Andy. So then here Andy, um, severe autism, very verbal. Fluently verbal, you can still tell a little bit, maybe. Yeah, you know, yeah. eye yeah. contact. You him, could, but, but, yeah. but for the most part, he was <laughs> yeah. doing great. And I said, "So, what are you doing these days?" He said, "Well, I just got my associate's degree in horticulture," and you know, I just was so thrilled. Oh, well, oh, I'm never, thrilled. Never say oh. never. Just never say never. And if a kid can't do something, you figure it out. Brainstorm, figure it out how to help kids. And even if they don't talk when they leave you, you never know when it's gonna sink in and he's gonna be able. So that's that's one of my highlights. I mean, I could tell you all sorts of things about you know tons of other kids. Um, um, But Well, that, I'll that's, leave you with that one.
0: I love that. I mean, that just gave us closure because I was kind of sitting here thinking, well, I wonder what happened to Andy. Yeah. You yeah. know, he walked right up to you in an I Irish also, pub.
1: I also <laughs> no got to see he graduated from high school with my daughter. No. Walked across the stage. Oh, yeah, So
0: you knew. And okay, that's
1: I didn't wonderful. know I was able to follow him. But lost track after graduation. Okay. Okay. Came up to me. All right. Yeah. Oh, you're wonderful. Curious. Well, thank
0: you for sharing that. Oh. You know, I don't know if you have looked down at your chat, but Michelle says, I am re entering the field after being at home raising my kids for 17 years. Okay. I'm hoping to do in home early intervention. Ah, this presentation was just what I needed. Thank Good. you so much. I will study all of your material.
1: Good. That's great. And yes,
0: it is TalkItRocket.com.
1: It is.
0: Yes. Yes. I love it.
1: Yeah. You know, if you're interested in my products, that's great. Call me on the phone because then, you know, I can take some leeway and give you guys discounts and whatnot. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. Just call me or email me. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you. Well, you know, you had a home run here, girl. I just appreciate you so much. And I love how that you have just broken these components down and they make so much sense. So I'm just in admiration of you and what you've done and what you've shared. So thank you. Thank you.
1: That's great. It's a pleasure. you. you. You know, I quit doing seminars because I've got this tremor in my voice. And it's just so exhausting. So yeah. you've made these podcasts. They're perfect for me. And good. You know, I'm retired now, so I don't work with children anymore. Yeah. So,
0: well, good. It's a win-win for everybody. Yeah,
1: it's great. So great. Thank, thank, you. You. thank you.
0: Thank you. So in closing, I do want to thank all of you for being here and for tuning in and for continuing to get the word out about the SpeechLink podcast. And if you so desire, you can access the audio-only version on most popular podcast apps like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Pondbean. And I do want to thank you for your supportive comments and your good reviews on those. But thank you again, Rachel, for all that you do and all that you've shared. And I just hope that you know how much you're appreciated. And and I appreciate all of you for tuning in. So Thank you so much for everything that you do for your therapy kids. See you soon.
1: Thank
0: you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm thrilled you tuned into the speech link. I hope it was helpful. Just leave a quick review and subscribe to be a part of a select group that receives every episode. For CEUs, go to speechtherapypd.com. And for everything else, visit charboshart.com. There's free materials, articles, books, and my blog, Therapy Matters thank you for all you do. See you next time.